Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Steinfeld Talks. My guest today, um, I'm really, really excited for. She is the mayor of my hometown, Colleen Marr. Mayor Marr, how are you? Good morning. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Well, thank, thank you for coming on. You are, um, so you're actually the first person to come on that I um, actually haven't met in person before. Oh, or if well, we have met in person, um, I don't remember. My dad told me my dad wanted me to ask you um, <laughs> if you remember him. He introduced himself to you at the Fanwood Library once, apparently. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, I'm sure I do. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, uh, well, my, my parents were very, uh, very happy with your work in Fanwood. Um, Thank you. Thank so, you. It's a, uh, it's a wonderful town to be the mayor of. Mm -hmm. So how long have you been the mayor of Fanwood? I know you've been there quite a while. Long time. I'm currently in my fifth year and winding down my 16th year. So you've been the mayor for 16 years. Yeah, I've been the mayor for, yeah. No, I'm sorry, 17, 17, 17. 17. And what, yeah. what inspired you to run for mayor in the first place? You know, it's really funny because when I think back um, on, you know, like what you want to do and where you think life is going to take you. This was, this was probably the last thing that I ever thought that I would find myself doing. Um, and then doing it for like close to 17 years. <laughs> so I got involved with um, politics because I originally was involved with government. And I'm a firm believer that government has a place in our lives. Um, and if you harness government correctly, it can do transformative things. So out of that, one of my first jobs was working in the city of Jersey City, which within New Jersey is like the second uh, largest city in the state of New Jersey. Um, I worked for the mayor there. I did constituent services and I saw firsthand um, how you could do some really good things and change people's lives. So I was bitten by the public service bug and had always since then kind of kept involved with public policy in government and always helped campaigns, but was never necessarily the, um, the candidate until I um, moved back to my um, home. I grew up in Scotch Plains. So Fanwood and Scotch Plains are sort of one community since we share a school district. And when I bought my home, um, now it'll be like 18 years ago, um, I was approached by the local Democratic Party and there you go. Mm -hmm. Do you want to um, expand a little bit on the types of public service you were doing in Jersey City? Sure. So um, for those who may be listening who do not know the city of Jersey City, it is the second largest city in the state of New Jersey. Um, it basically is along the Hudson River. Um, so if you go to Manhattan and you look across the river, you will see Jersey City. Um, there's probably close to 250,000 people in maybe like 15 square miles, you know, so it's one of the densely most populated. And so you have everything from um, object poverty um, to a very wealthy community down there and you have everything in between. And as a result, you have a lot of different um, issues, social issues, cultural issues. And so I got involved with the mayor at the time when um, they were just developing the waterfront. And so I watched how um, property can be transformed in, in redevelopment and done correctly, which kind of served me well coming into Fanwood and doing redevelopment many years later. Um, but again, I think it's understanding 
that the state of New Jersey is one of the most culturally diverse states in the nation. Um, and so I saw that firsthand. And, and when people get to having to call the mayor's office for anything, it's usually that they have exhausted all the traditional roots of solving a problem and they are really despondent or really upset or frustrated by the time they get to you. So for you to be able to pick up a phone and to make some phone calls and to help these people, uh, with regardless of what it is, you know, could be their electricity is being shut off for lack of payment, but yet they they need electricity because the parent needs, you know, oxygen. Um, you know, was everything in between, um, and we saw resolutions to that, and we were able to help people, and that really was great. And then I left Jersey City. I got involved with charter schools um, when they were first beginning. Um, sort of nationally and uh, traveled the country, bringing public school options to majority um, inner cities where the public school system was failing. And there was a um, desire to have a alternate type of public school. And so I was on the ground there doing uh, sort of the facilities work, making sure that the school got open in time for the children and our community partners. I did that for a lot of years, traveled the United States, um, enjoyed it. And then when I decided to get married and settle down, I ended up coming back to Familiar, which was Scotch Plains Fanwood area, bought a house in Fanwood. Um, took some time off because I was uh, gonna have my first baby and was approached by the local Democratic Party when I was like nine months pregnant with my first son, Liam, who's 17 right now, and was asked to run for mayor because mm -hmm. um, they knew my background in government. And uh, I said, no, no, thank you. Maybe the, you know, like the library commission or rec because I wanted to kind of just, you know, hang out being a first time mom. Mm -hmm. Then the Democratic Party came back in uh, March, you know, a couple months later. And what I didn't realize was that there was a filing deadline of April 1st that you had to have a candidate. Um, and I thought, well, if they're coming back a second time and if I don't do it, I'll always wonder if what would have happened. You know, so I decided to take that opportunity, run for mayor. At this point, you had a, a three-month-old? I had a three-month-old. Okay. Yeah. I had a three-month-old, my son, Liam, who mm -hmm. is now graduating from Scotch Plains Fanwood High School uh, this June. Mm -hmm. um, I ran as a first-time candidate and uh, with two other council. We won that year, um, which was awesome. And along the way, when I got sworn in in that January, Liam was literally a year old since his birthday was in January. And I found out I was pregnant with my second son, Daniel, uh, who's 16 right now, you know, and then I have another son, Colin, who's 13. So, you know, my life has been really a balance of serving the community and serving three boys. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I imagine that's that's a lot of work. Um, so I, it I is, but when you're in it, when, when you're in it, in the middle of it, you you kind of know you're tired, or you know you're kind of like running on all cylinders. But if you really love what you do, um, mm -hmm. or or find that you're doing something that you're meant to do, and you have a passion about it, you make it work. Mm -hmm. So I uh, I wanted to ask a little bit about the um, the actual day to day responsibilities of the of the mayor of a. Uh, sure. Of, of Fanwood, New Jersey. So I, I imagine things can be very different, but uh, could you try to give me what an average um, weekday might be like for you? 
Sure. So in, in New Jersey, we uh, have this thing called like home rule. You know, we have 565 municipalities in the state of New Jersey, which is a lot <laughs> for a, 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 a state of about seven, seven or eight million, I think we are. So e there's town after town and each town has local government, which is responsible for the day-to-day -day operations. And then you have county government and then you've got state government. So we have like three layers of government here in uh, New Jersey. Um, it's technically a part-time job, okay. you know, it's a small town, you know, so you, you're a small town mayor. I would say in New Jersey, the majority of towns um, are below the 15,000, maybe 20,000 in population. So mm -hmm. most mayors are part-time mayors. It is very um, more of the larger cities, more of the urban centers have full-time mayors that actually pull a full-time salary. So here it's a considered a part-time it's actually, it pays a dollar a year. <laughs> so, so um, I've made like $17. Um, wow. <laughs> um, and, and that is not unusual, I will first say, you know, like actually uh, doing a dollar a year, maybe making 3000 or $5,000 a year, 7000 is is not an unusual um, thing mm -hmm. for us to do in, in mm -hmm. New Jersey. Don't ask me why, but it's just, you know, you never want to be the mayor that did it for a dollar and then gave, gave yourself a, a raise, right? You didn't want mm -hmm. that controversy. It, it, it seems like yeah. a, a serious financial sacrifice to, to, to be the mayor it of is. a small town. It is. And, and, you know, but again, you do it because you believe you're making a difference. Mm -hmm. Right. You believe that the time that you're here, that you're 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 leaving behind something um, that's better than you found it. So day to day, I have to tell you, especially in the age of um, being connected all the time, there really isn't a downtime. Right. So because you, you can get your emails to your phone. Right. You get everything forwarded. Mm -hmm. um, so that's, it's a pretty constant, it's a pretty constant thing even for a small town. You know, it's constituent services. Um, it's dealing with our internal issues, you know, employees. Um, you know, we have a police department, we have a volunteer rescue squad, we have a volunteer fire department, we have a library, we have recreation, we have mm -hmm. cultural and, you know, heritage, um, historic commission, um, environmental commissions, you know, so that, you know, there's public works, you know, so, you know, that you're really, you know, it's, there's things that get done every single day. We employ people that this is where they make their living coming to work every day. Um, so I have a, I have a pulse on probably everything that goes on um, here in the town. And I get a ton of emails on any given day. Um, I love the fact that any resident feels comfortable to reach out to me um, and ask me questions you know, we're just in the midst of sort of COVID-19 and in between a total lockdown and we're sort of trying to open up on the horizon of hopefully not another one mm -hmm. as we head into the winter. And a community I don't, I believe has never needed their mayors more mm -hmm. uh, because we are on the ground. Um, we are credible. We need to be credible with our information. It's where people feel that they can get it, you know, in times like this, but really, kind of all the time, you know, so it's a, it's a full-time job um, that 
you know, you, you sacrifice a lot for, whether it's financial, whether it's for spending time with your family, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's, you know, weekends get to be very busy in towns, you know, because of all the events that go on, you know, people want their elected officials, they need to see them, you know, so you have to make yourself available. And that's in addition to all of the meetings that you have, um, which are your formal meetings where you get the people's business done twice a month. Um, but also during the each month, there are a multitude of meetings or events, you know, from ribbon cuttings to the health of your economy, your local economy, to what's going on with your police. So it's, it's a lot. Mm-hmm. So I, uh, I wanted to ask a little bit about the, um, your take on how small businesses in Fanwood are doing right now uh, with the state of the pandemic. Um, so obviously, uh, small businesses have struggled in these times. And we, of course, we want to balance the safety of our community with the need of our citizens to be able to go out and pursue their dreams and make a living. So, you know, how have you seen COVID-19 impact small businesses in Fanwood and how have you been able to respond to that? So, like, let's remember that everybody was going on in their lives, right? And planning and, you know, had a full schedule, comings and goings, right? First week of March, you know, all through January and February, you start to hear rumbles. And then right around like the second week of March, like everything just stops, Mm -hmm. you know, which is completely unprecedented, completely Mm -hmm. unprecedented, you know, that there in in New Jersey, we were like completely on lockdown. Yeah. You know, so it it was literally going about your business, kind of seeing something going on in television, hearing something that was going on, you know, out of um, China and, the in Europe and watching Italy and then boom here it is everybody goes home you know people start to panic over supplies you know restaurants close you know uh, retail stores close schools close businesses send people home thinking it's going to be like two weeks and then it's like five months yeah Um, so the local economy nationally has taken you know a bullet Mm-hmm. And trying to keep small businesses, of which I think Fanwood is a, a just an example of Main Street USA, where we don't have any big box real you know big box realtors. Um, we don't have strip malls. You know, we are literally a small town, Main Streets. You know, and they're all sort of mom and pop stores mm-hmm. of people who had dreams. Of, of owning a business and whether it is, you know, therapy, right? Whether it's nail salons, whether it's restaurants, the food and beverage industry, um, whether it's um, uh, gift stores, clothing stores, um, it just all shut down mm-hmm. and people didn't know what to do. And then slowly as things reopen, um, we start to see how bad bad is and we start to try to leverage all of the CARES funding that has come out of the federal government into states like New Jersey. 
and into counties like Union County where we are. Um, there, there was a tremendous amount of money that came from Washington into the state and into the county. Like case in point here in Union County, 21 towns, probably a little over half a million residents. Um, we got, I think around $110 million of CARES money, meaning that money that had to go out specifically for uh, COVID-19 related um, problems or issues, you know, and what we've seen is um, trying to get the money to the people who need it has taken a long time, mm -hmm. you know, because there's a lot of red tape and a lot of bureaucracy because no one wants to be giving out federal money <clears throat> and, <clears throat> excuse me, and not doing it in a way um, that when they get audited, they're going to have to give the money back. <clears throat> so what we're seeing is as much as the community wants to support our local businesses, there is a, a, a amount of revenue that they'll never get back <clears throat> because- Sorry, could you go explain a little bit about the concern about being audited? Sure. So think about this, you know, you're, the federal government, rightfully so, saw um, our economy uh, just come to a screeching halt. And we saw small businesses and we saw big businesses and we saw people that lost their job. <clears throat> so the federal government created the CARES Act and then put money across the United States through the treasury. But there's very specific ways that you can um, spend that money and you a lot of paperwork that goes along with it. So while you can get an infusion of cash, you have to show, <clears throat> excuse me, a lot of paperwork mm -hmm. about how COVID has affected your business. And so that takes time. And then there's application review. And again, there is a fear that the government, federal government will audit where the money went. Mm -hmm. And nobody wants to be in a position of having rushed to give money out Okay. Not done it. Mm -hmm. That's <clears throat> an issue I was completely unaware of. Excuse me. Yeah, it's a big issue. Mm -hmm. It's a big issue. So um, right now, um, our food and beverage industry in the state is really, really struggling. It's mm -hmm. got the weather has now become colder. There is a limit on how many people can go inside of an establishment. Mm -hmm. Um, here in New Jersey, it gets cold. You know, we do not necessarily, we've had pretty mild September into October, but now it's cold. And so the margins of profit in the food and beverage industry are so small, mm. you know, and the staff has to get paid, right? The owners have to pay bills. They have to buy inventory. Um, and so there's a real concern that we're going to be losing a tremendous amount of establishments that will never come back mm -hmm. um, or small businesses. And so um, we try to keep a pulse on what's going on. We try to follow the federal money that comes in to the state and make sure that our small businesses actually take advantage of it. I think that's one thing that we've done pretty well here um, is be a resource for our main streets um, about what um, may be available from the federal government, what may be available from the state government, and what may be available from the county government in terms of this CARES funding that has been um, 
all separated into these different parts of microloans, small businesses under like say 10 or 20 people, um, landlord uh, assistance, where if maybe you, you own, you're a um, residential landlord and you have tenants that aren't paying their rent because they can't, you can try to get some CARES money to help you. You know, we've stopped. Um, all the utilities cannot sh shut off anyone's utility because lack of payment right now. Mm -hmm. uh, you can't evict anybody right now um, for non-payment uh, just because um, the, the pain is really real here and it's, it's palpable. And I think there's a real concern as we go forward um, of the health of uh, our community, you know, which is then seen in tax revenue Right. People pay property taxes, whether they're commercial or residential. And then we collect those taxes. And then we have to give uh, our proportional share up to the boards of education and then up to the county governments. So, you know, the other layer of this is watching the health of our main streets, watching the health of our residents, the financial health of our residents, as well as the medical health because we are the collector of all of the taxes and then we have to then give that money out. We don't keep it. Mm -hmm. So there's, everyone is sort of watching how the collection rates are going across the state um, to see if the schools will get their share mm -hmm. and if the local county governments will also get theirs. That is, that's another issue. I totally was completely unaware of how the, how COVID impacting the local economy eventually trickles into, into the schools. It's and everything. And, and, schools. and what, what we have seen is, is that COVID has not necessarily been a expense driven um, issue. When you think about um, natural disasters, right? When you think about mm -hmm. Sandy, when you think um, about high wind storms that shut power mm -hmm. out, um, floods, mm -hmm. Now, I just so want to interject. Um, Miramar is referencing Hurricane Sandy, which hit uh, New Jersey in 2016. Most of my listeners are from New Jersey anyway, but um, sure, sure. Just for anyone who's not aware of that. Right. So for government, a lot of these disasters um, are really expense driven, meaning that we have to spend a lot of money as a result of something happening. What makes this so different is we lost, we are, this is, this turns out to be a revenue loss issue for us, meaning because nobody is traveling to New York, um, our parking revenue is down substantially because the um, courts have been closed and no one's on the road. The anticipated revenue we would get from municipal courts is like completely off. Mm -hmm. You know, our tax collection rate, um, is good, but is not as good. Mm -hmm. So what we see is, and this is just in Fanwood, but this is being echoed across the state, um, that governments uh, have a loss of revenue that will never come back. And so we're trying to figure out then how you address that coming into the new year. And hopefully that won't mean cuts in services. Mm -hmm. That's uh, that's all really interesting. Um, one other another question I wanted to ask you, which you touched on a little bit, um, is uh, low income housing opportunities in Fanwood. Mm -hmm. uh, I kind of wanted to get your opinion on um, how good how good has Fanwood been about providing 
low-income housing to people and how can it continue to improve in that regard? Sure. So what, what makes New Jersey a little different, I think, than a lot of states is, is that we have mandated, court-mandated affordable housing obligations. Hmm. If you go across the river to New York, uh, to other states, it does not exist. So there has been decades of legal battles, legislative initiatives that never quite, you know, fit the mark of how in a state that has 565 towns and you have a court mandate to do it, how do you get it done? Mm -hmm. Because not every town is the same. There is certainly not a one size fits all approach to anything in New Jersey, let alone how to provide affordable housing. Um, and so we've, there's been discussions and um, court mandates and state mandates of how we can do it. And, you know, we've, in the last couple of years, um, the way that it's been um, solved right now is that towns have to do a set aside for um, affordable units for any new construction. So case in point, so there's a lot of redevelopment development going on in the state of New Jersey. So if, some, if a developer comes in and wants to do anything that's not like really small, and I mean small, like less than five units, um, anything north of five units, there, I believe that's the number, I could have that actual number wrong, but it's something like less than 10. Um, there's an affordable housing obligation that goes with it. And that's usually 15% set aside, meaning whatever the total number is, 15% has to be set aside for affordable housing. And then within that set aside, depending on your town, you have to break that down into low, very low, low housing, low to moderate housing and moderate housing. And that's all based on a formula that comes out of the federal government of income guidelines. So what we're seeing is um, not a choice. Um, we need to be able to provide opportunities for anybody who wishes to live in any town in the state of New Jersey, the ability to do that. Mm -hmm. And so um, in Fanwood, we've been relatively good about it. You know, um, we've sort of kept the pace. You know, there are some towns that have these really large obligations um, because we have sort of not, um, we didn't really fight against it. Mm -hmm. We sort of embraced it. Um, mm -hmm. That So all of our new development, which for a small town we've done a, quite a bit, um, has a component in it. Um, and then it's done by a lottery system, you know, and that's a sort of very specific ways of how people can get into it um, through the state. The, the biggest takeaway here is because New Jersey is such an expensive state to live in because we are sort of in the tri-state area. We are across the street, across the river from Manhattan. Um, you know, it is not cheap to live in the state of New Jersey. Our taxes are one of the highest in the country. Um, our housing market tends to be very expensive, whether that's rentals or home ownership. Um, and there's always a lot of gripes about how expensive living in New Jersey is, which makes affordable housing uh, so critical mm -hmm. to do. Um, and so you can do new affordable housing units within a development. You can do rehabilitation 
also fits under the umbrella of affordable housing requirements um, where people who live in town um, can you know, give us their financial um, snapshot. And if they qualify, we can then invest money into their homes um, through a trust fund that we create, that, that we have. So that could be anything from siding to windows to um, a hot water heater you know, for homes like that. Um, creating um, sort of developmentally disabled group homes, having those um, within our town, giving anybody who wishes an, op an option to live here can also go against the, um, our obligation that we have. So we've gotten pretty creative in um, how we address that. You know, uh, we have one development that actually has market rate housing, uh, affordable housing and developmentally disabled housing in one building. And it's awesome. And um, we also have another uh, product, uh, which is really a beautiful product, which is townhomes, rental townhomes, very close to the train station. Mm -hmm. um, and part of that affordable housing obligation, we gave several units to um, ARC, which actually you know, encourages individuals with disabilities to be able to live on their own. So that we work hand in hand with them to is actually. There, sorry, is ARC an organization? Yes, yes, okay. and, it, and it is an organization, and I believe it's a nonprofit organization that helps um, individuals with developmental disabilities um, find employment and housing. Mm -hmm. And so we partnered with the developer and ARC um, early on in the process, so that when they created their rental townhomes in downtown Fanwood. Uh, we took two of those units. We still had other afford, uh, other obligations, affordable housing obligations in the complex, but we took two of those, worked with ARC to actually, and the architect to create um, units, residential units that could fit their needs, you know, mm -hmm. meaning that they were on the first floor, that the doorways were wider, that the kitchens were, the height of the kitchens were done in a way, you know, that the lighting was done in a way, that the bathrooms were done in a way um, so that they could live safely, mm -hmm. um, but also on their own. So that was like a real nice um, ribbon cutting to say the least, um, yeah. because you can do, you, it should not look as on a burden, but if, you know, but you can really be creative in how you do your affordable housing obligation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that uh, that all sounds like really great work. Um, what I another thing I wanted to ask you about is um, how the schools in the Scotch Plains Fanwood School District are doing um, in terms uh, so in terms of um, in person over the internet, um, what their funding situation is like. You know what your role is in working with the schools. Obviously you have children in the Scotch Plains Family School District. Um, so, you know, to, to what degree uh, do you work with the schools and do you have influence with the schools and to what degree do they have um, state level oversight that they need to abide by? Sure. Um, so currently as we sit here um, and it's like towards the end of October, um, our students have, have really not been back in class since last March. Mm -hmm. So that went all virtual. So your March, April, May, and June, um, I think by all accounts, even the school board, the schools will tell you, 
wasn't great because the public schools really weren't built um, to be virtual, mm-hmm. literally and figuratively. And making that pivot where they thought they were going to be out like two weeks, um, which then led to say four months getting mm-hmm. into the end of the year. Um, you know, showed that there needed to be a lot of work to be done to be able to deliver, um, you know, a fair and equal education for all of the kids. And so they worked hard over the summer um, to be able to kind of come back, you know, virtually, not back literally. Mm -hmm. In New Jersey, again, because we have so many units, like I said, we have 565 units of government. We have equal, if not a little bit more in school districts. Um, the guidance from the state um, sort of changed a lot, you know? So uh, as you went along, you thought, okay, we're gonna get on this road to try to reopen in September. You know, the, the guidelines kind of changed a, a lot, you know, things started, weren't as clear or easy um, mm-hmm. to do. And it, we are in, you know, completely um, unknown territory here. Nothing, there's no playbook, you know, there's no, you know, hey, let's go see how this one did it. Well, because everybody was trying to figure it out at the same same time. So you didn't necessarily have a tremendous amount of consistency across New Jersey mm-hmm. um, with what school looked like come September. But in Scotch Plains Fan, where they decided to go all virtual, Mm-hmm. Um, kind of at the last minute, there was a, 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 a lot of conversation about bringing them back in a hybrid. And that seems to be a very popular sort of um, delivery method right now for our public schools, meaning that maybe they'll go in like two half days mm-hmm. and then be home the rest um, and kind of alternate the student population in over those two half days because nobody wants to be in school and have children eating. So it's usually everything is like half days. There's, I think, very few of any public schools that are all day. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the last minute, due to some ventilation concerns, the uh, Board of Ed sort of pivoted to all virtual. So that's kind of where we've been. Um, but I will tell you that they definitely worked hard over the summer to make sure that the virtual um, schooling was a hell of a lot better than it was uh-huh. in the, the, the spring. You know, there was clear expectations. Uh, the students had to be on Zoom. You know, I think that was like optional last spring. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, what, what is K through 12 students gonna do if it's, nothing's optional, right? You know, mandatory, mm-hmm. right? They're gonna take, yeah. you know, the easy path. Um, so now kids actually have to follow a school day. They have to be on camera. Um, it's a little tedious to be sitting in front of a, an iPad, you know, for, mm. you know, all day. Yeah. Um, and so the schools have figured out that the ventilation, they think that they've got um, uh, solved mm-hmm. and as far as um, trying to keep the airflow you know, better in schools. So there's a slow reopening going on uh, into November where the kids will go back on this hybrid. Okay. God knows how long that will last because we're looking Mm -hmm. into the winter surge again. So we'll see. Were these decisions that you were uh, personally involved in making or were they up to the school board and to uh, state laws? So I, I will tell you that, you know, the schools sort of run their own show, uh-huh. um, but it's to their benefit 
and to work closely with the local government mm -hmm. because we serve the same people. Now yeah. that that has been pretty good here. You know, um, my relationship with the Board of Ed, um, and I think for all mayors and their relationships with the Board of Ed is how usually the governing body gets along with the leadership of that school district. Mm -hmm. And so not every town has a good relationship with their boards of ed, which is mm -hmm. unfortunate uh, because of the amount of money um, that we get the paying in taxes, you know, that you really wanna have a, a good working relationship. Um, here, we have a relatively new superintendent um, who's been wonderful, Dr. Mast, uh, who's gone out of her way and understands the value of having um, good working relationships with the mayor. And we're a regional school district, so there's two towns, there's Scotch Plains and Fanwood. So she deals with myself and my um, fellow mayor in Scotch Plains, Mayor Smith. Mm -hmm. And we've done a lot of uh, Zoom calls really for the last six months. Um, we were kind of meeting almost weekly uh, because we really wanted to understand what was going on because people will come, you know, people come to the mayors and they come to the local governing bodies yeah. and they want to know our thoughts. Um, and if they're upset about something, they want us to advocate on their behalf, mm -hmm. you know, so being in the know is really critical and, uh, so we, I, I would say we have a very good working relationship and we all understand, you know, um, criticizing uh, one another is not the way to properly deliver service. So finding solutions. And right now the solution was trying to get our kids back safely um, to school for their mm -hmm. emotional as well as academic um, health. Mm -hmm. And then I just took quick follow-up have uh have fall sports been allowed or is that postponed yeah. currently no we mm -hmm. you know again another thing that um i have to give my hat you know off to dr mass and the uh school district um because in new jersey there were a bunch of districts in august that basically made the decision no <laughs> they weren't going to take a wait and see approach they just said not going to happen and they shut mm -hmm. everything down our district, and there was many like ours, took a wait and see approach and just sort of pushed back the start of what would be the fall season. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so that's your soccer, that's your football, that's your baseball um, to see. So yeah. I'm happy to report, you know, that here um, we've had now our uh, second football game. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, our soccer teams are playing and baseball, fall ball, and you know, but we've had COVID issues. We've had student athletes that have tested positive. Mm -hmm. You know, we've had to have teams kind of quarantine. Uh, it really is such a fluid situation that um, everyone's so thankful that the kids get to play, especially for the seniors, which will yeah. be their last year, um, and that they need to be around people and they need the exercise, yeah. but you're never quite sure if it'll be your last game. Yeah, it's a very odd situation. Um, and it, it sounds like you guys are doing everything you can to give the kids a chance. Um, yeah. but you know, we all need to be prepared to, um, to go back to quarantine again at, at any minute. Uh, this, I know. this issue isn't going away. It's in fact, in some places it's getting worse. We see it here in New Jersey. We see, <laughs> so, you know, Bergen County is North of where, you grew up and where I am, it's it's closer to sort of the New York border. 
um, which was our sort of our epicenter of when COVID came into New Jersey, Bergen County, because so many people go in and out of New York yeah. City to work, it's so close. Um, they're seeing upticks in Bergen County where they have um, a lot of the school districts have just sort of made a decision to send everybody home that had been open to the end, the new year. Mm -hmm. You know, so we're seeing some parts of New Jersey start to tick up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely a very scary situation. Um, so one other question I had for you. So you've been the mayor of Fanwood for 17 years. Mm -hmm. um, you've done a great job. Fanwood uh, was, was a great place to grow up. Um, still, is. still is. That's, you know, you know, I, I'm very serious about um, never compromising um, anything that we can do, never compromising the fact that Fanwood is a small suburban um, mostly single family home community um, that neighbors know neighbors, everybody for the most part takes really nice care of their property. They're very happy to have sort of found Fanwood if they didn't rate, be born and raised here around this area um, while leveraging redevelopment because we're on a train line that takes our, a lot of our residents into New York. Right mm -hmm. now that, that that's kind of quiet with COVID, yeah. but um, our property values are, uh, and the strength is tied to good schools, but also our proximity to beginning in and out of New York. So mm -hmm. development along the train has really um, allowed us to bring in new housing options for people and to bring in new businesses and new jobs and new rateables. Um, without compromising, you know, the, uh, the idea of family being a great town. Mm -hmm. Yes. So have you ever considered running for another office or are you, you have, I, I have, mm -hmm. um, and this is what I'll say about that. Um, when they say that politics is not for the faint of heart, um, that's a very true statement. Uh -huh. And, you know, there's, there's governing and then there's politics, right? And if you want to be an elected um, individual, it's the political you know, avenue that takes you to the elected position. Mm -hmm. And so I have found that you know, it's difficult at times being a woman mm -hmm. um, in politics um, and rising through the ranks um, and not and, and sort of not being given sometimes the opportunities that um, other individuals get. Mm -hmm. And so I have tried probably uh, about two occasions to run for what would be considered higher office. Mm -hmm. And it was sort of the internal uh, party dynamics that I think um, left a pretty bad taste in my mouth. Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, um, I chose not to walk away from being the mayor um, and doing what I can and uh, still be here because I do believe that um, women, there needs to be more women doing this mm -hmm. and we make up 50% of the population. Uh, but yet in New Jersey, women who are mayors are probably, I want to say like less than 20% wow. of, of that. Yeah, there's less than like... There's, there's less than 80 of me. 
So mm. when you have 565 towns and you have less than 80 women who are directly elected at the polls, that's mm. screaming something at you. Mm. Um, and we're always in the minority. Mm. We're always in the minority when it comes to the numbers of being in elected office. And uh, breaking that ceiling um, is not easy to do. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it, it can take its toll, especially women who need to raise families, uh, who have to actually work, you know, another job. A lot of women I know, most women I know, this is not their primary job where they make a living at. This is their second job in addition to being a, a caregiver. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, for here in New Jersey, um, it's rough and tumble at times and uh, not always... Uh, you know, it's, it's left a, sometimes a very bad taste in my mouth um, mm -hmm. about the system, but then I say to myself, I'm not going to walk away. Mm -hmm. yeah, so, so can, uh, can people expect you to run for another office anytime soon? Or are you happy serving the people of Fanwood currently? So I love serving the people of Fanwood, but I also know that, um, this is not a, a life term, <laughs> you know, when I'm done, it'll be 20 years that I will have served. Um, and I think that um, there was someone, you know, before me. And so um, I think that it would be, it's smart to let other blood come in. Mm -hmm. um, and my job is trying to find that bench, mm -hmm. you know, um, we've got, I've got a great council. You know, we are majority women on the council. We're a governing body of six plus myself, the mayor. Um, and so there's a, a total of four women, mm -hmm. which is awesome. Um, and finding people in the community. But it's not easy because one, you don't get paid. Yeah. Uh, two, you know, people have a lot on their plate. And um, while they may want to, making that leap into becoming a candidate and putting yourself out there and run in an election, knock on doors, um, really you put yourself in a vulnerable position and um, you have to really want it. And, uh, you know, but we've been lucky here that we have a great local uh, team. We're Democrats, we have a local democratic control here in town. Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, a lot of people don't see party affiliation on local government. They just want the job done and they'll cross over regardless, as long as they think that, you know, the people who are serving um, are putting the town first. Mm -hmm. One. So is there um, a lot of, is there any sort of division between Democrat and Republican in the governance of Fanwood or is there sort of cross aisle communication? So, so when I first started, um, there was um, a Republican controlled local government. And as I said here, we're, we're not nonpartisan. You're, these are partisan elections. So you declare mm -hmm. a candidacy, whether you're Republican or Democrat. Um, so I have, when I have been the mayor and have taken the council uh, all democratic. Um, and when we did that, it was for the, like the first time in the history of the town. Mm -hmm. um, and so it just, it shows me that um, strong leadership, a leadership that um, values the voter, constantly mm -hmm. talks to the voter, 
Um, I really firmly believe in transparent government. Um, you know, in COVID, we've had to really um, up our game on how we communicate. And um, I think that the voter slash resident benefits from that. Um, and with everybody being home, um, we've seen a lot more civic engagement uh, in the last six to seven months um, than I had in a while, you know, because people aren't running off someplace, you know, um, they're running upstairs or downstairs in their home. And so it gives them a lot more time, I think, to kind of delve into their local government. Uh, so um, it's been great. It's been great. And uh, while we are all one party, um, doesn't mean that we don't disagree. Doesn't mean that um, we don't have differences of opinions. Uh, one thing I have really learned is that um, partisan politics on the local level should be really non-existent mm -hmm. uh, because people don't want to see it. They don't want to hear it. They don't mind a competition, you know, um, of people who want to vie for a seat. Uh, but there really is no Republican or Democratic way to pick up garbage, figure out how to improve your library, right? Mm -hmm. Figure out, you know, how to master plan a park. Uh, mm -hmm. it's, it's just, is the people that are running on the local level, do they have the background, the skills um, to serve? And mm -hmm. that's usually, you know, where the defining mark is, not necessarily the party. I, I think you could give our Congress a couple of lessons on, uh, on bipartisan leadership. I think everything above me needs a lesson. Uh -huh. You know, we, we see it, we see it in all levels of government, you know, local government is the bottom rung, or as I say, but it's, we're the, you know, the government closest to the people, mm -hmm. you know, in New Jersey, people know who the mayor is. I don't know all the time if they know who they send to Trenton, which is our state capital, where uh -huh. the assembly and senators, I, I sometimes find that they really don't know who these individuals are that represent them in Trenton. Mm -hmm. um, and they should, because they're making and passing bills that directly affect their lives every day. Um, and right now, as we sit here, we're like a week out from Tuesday from uh, our national election. And so we're seeing some pretty heated uh, congressional races um, mm -hmm. here, who we're going to send to Trenton as, I'm sorry, uh, Washington as our Congress, and also as our uh, senators, and mm -hmm. then ultimately uh, the president. And um, there's a there's a lot of lot of feelings going on right now. <laughs> so, do you, uh, as a politician, uh, ever endorse politicians in? Um, in political races, things such as Senate, Congress, President, um, or do you try to stay more neutral and say, I'm the mayor of Fanwood, this is my responsibility and I don't need to go off and vouch or um, right. support this person or that person? So for the most part, that's how I've been. It's mm -hmm. very few times that I'll come out publicly um, and endorse um, up the ballot. Um, I have in our congressional races, uh, because where we, where I sit, we are served by Congresswoman Bonnie Watson Coleman. Um, and that the reason why I, I did that was because she is our, uh, first, uh, woman of color that we've sent to Washington. Mm -hmm. Um, and really one of very few women that ever have gone to Washington from the state of New Jersey, you know, so that was very personal, um, to me. 
But when I go out campaigning, um, it is pretty clear to me in the suburbs um, that when you go knock on doors, um, there's equal Republican, Democrat, and unaffiliated. And I don't really want to get caught up in a national conversation uh, when running for local office because it doesn't really trickle down. Mm. And, and I want to keep it clear over, especially if I'm talking to a Republican voter um, and I'm a Democrat, um, I want them to understand that those issues, um, while we can discuss them, it's all about how I govern on the local level. And, mm -hmm. if, and if you're satisfied with us trying to provide services while keeping taxes flat, um, without cutting things that you really are important to you, which could be like leaf pickup, right? Um, or improvement of the parks. Um, you know, that's what you should be looking at. And that's, you know, and that's hopefully what people will value is the quality of life on the local level um, and how that individual is doing that wants your vote. And we've been very successful here in getting voters who are not Democrats to cross over the ballot Mm -hmm. um, and find us. And so I have always said, I love an educated voter. Uh -huh. I think an educated voter um, does very well um, in, in taking time, um, not necessarily voting the line, as they say, you know, where, you know, you run on a Democrat or a Republican line and you just bullet vote down. Mm -hmm. um, I love the voter that actually will sort of sometimes crisscross over to find us if they're not a, uh, affiliated with us politically. Mm -hmm. Have you um, publicly endorsed any candidates in the upcoming elections? So right now um, I am supporting um, Bonnie Watson Coleman because she's up going back to Congress. Um, mm -hmm. And I am supporting Joe Biden by my lawn signs on my house. <laughs> okay. All right, well, um, thank you very much for coming on. This has really been a pleasure to, to type to get an insight into, you know, how a local small town kind of operates and what your leadership has done for Fanwood. Um, so I, I appreciate really appreciate it. you taking the time to do this. Thank you. No, this has been really great. I appreciate you reaching out, you know, from the town that you grew up in mm -hmm. um, and still have interest um, to what's going on here. And when you're ready to start your own family, come on home. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, Miramar. Take care. Bye-bye. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone.